Hello there, this is the Psychology Report, and it's good to have you with me again today. I um, have been reminded uh, recently of a phenomenon that is very much part of our culture and our current age, and that is the suicide rate among our geriatric population. Now, there's no doubt the number of people that are living into their older years is significantly increasing. We have more people living into 100 years of age now than ever before. I just lost a very good friend who died after her 100th birthday. And um, reminds me again that uh, death is inevitable and that loss is a very significant part of our life particularly among people who have been important to us over the years. and um, But unfortunately, it was not the case of this lady, but uh, unfortunately it is the case for so many that um, death is by suicide among our geriatric population. Now, 30% of the elderly population suffer from depression. 30%. Now, that means that sometime in their life prior, they probably have had some depression. But as they come into the older years, depression creeps itself up on them and um, becomes much more prevalent and more pro pro profound and pronounced uh, in their life. And um, we find that um, this 30% of the population that engage in um, depression... Uh, also have a variety of physical and uh, health-related problems that augment the depression, make it worse, if you will. Insomnia, loss of energy, loss of appetite, tension, anxiety, pain, aloneness, loneliness. I mean, all these factors just kind of create a melting pot for depression which then becomes the basis of much suicide. And uh, suicide is generally not announced uh, by the geriatric population like it is among the elderly, or among the young population. Kids today and younger people, when they commit suicide, generally give us signs, they give us warnings, they give us indications that things are not right and that they engage in behavior patterns to withdraw and to isolate and to uh, become more angry, or to miss school, or to have their grades drop in a very significant way, and lose friendships, and um, break up with girlfriends, and all these various kinds of uh, events that take place that are just warning signs that suicide is a likely possibility, and in fact, happens. So, in the elderly population, the research shows us that they don't leave signs. They don't tell us ahead of time. They don't show those kinds of major changes in their life and then all of a sudden commit suicide. In fact, some of the changes in their life are very subtle, very very small, very uh, gradual, and uh, somewhat consistent with what most people experience. So we aren't tipped off or we don't get the advance notice that suicide is being considered or is imminent. Well, elderly people take a lot of different medications. Um, you know, it's not uncommon. I was in, served in nursing homes in various places as a consultant, 
It was not uncommon to see an elderly person have as many as 20 different kinds of medications. And the interactions of those are just unknown. We don't know how medications of that number interact with each other and can be lethal. But I think it's something around the average person. The average geriatric individual takes six different medications. And uh, if they're taking depression, or if they're experiencing depression, they're taking depression medication, which is a very profound medication for them, and has often interactional patterns with many other kinds of medications that they take. So besides the uh, number of medications that they take, which means their medication at their disposal, they can use that for suicide purposes. Elderly people also have a variety of physical and medical and social problems, uh, which kind of trigger off a, a suicide thought pattern, and but certainly trigger off isolation and withdrawal and uh, uh, kind of living a minimal lifestyle. And uh, Parkinson's and heart disease and stomach problems and pain of various kinds, headache problems, um, just can't sleep, uh, just a variety of problems that the elderly people experience. And this gets discouraging. This gets really defeating. And when they're lonely and they're sad or they've lost somebody that's important to them in their life, and then they have these medical problems besides, it sometimes just feels like it's hopeless. And when it's hopeless, people do all kinds of things to kind of get out of that state, and suicide is one of them. But besides hopeless, a lot of the elderly people feel helpless. Helpless is the, is the feeling that no matter what you do, you can't make a difference. No matter what you do, you can't bring back your spouse. No matter what you do, you can't bring back your children. No matter what you do, you can't bring back your career. No matter what you do, you can't bring back your friendships. Many of them have died. Many of them have moved away. Many of them have just disappeared into history. So there's kind of that sense of helplessness. You're alone and you're sad and you're... Uh, feeling very much depleted and ignored and abandoned, and all of a sudden you try to revive relationships. You try to revive a social context for your life, and no matter what you do, it doesn't happen. It doesn't take place. It just doesn't occur. So in other words, you fail in your attempts to revive your life or revive friendships and revive relationships in your life. When you can't do that, you feel helpless. And then life begins at some point to feel hopeless. And that's, of course, the uh, critical point where the elderly people begin to experience thoughts of suicide, feelings of suicide, and these deep, deep feelings of loneliness that can sometimes uh, only be changed or stopped through the process of suicide. So they think. But you know, there are other ways of getting rid of loneliness. There are other ways of getting rid of illnesses and getting rid of those thoughts of hopelessness and getting rid of those thoughts of helplessness. Lots of ways that we can, you know, do that. And it requires among the people who deal with elderly people to be alert and to be uh, uh, knowledgeable about this area. Pastors need to be very much alert to their congregation, their elderly people in their congregation, to look for these kind of signs. Sunday school teachers who are involved with the elderly need to be very much aware of these. Nurses that are involved with these. Doctors that are involved with them. Lawyers that are become involved with the elderly people. Accountants. 
that sometimes see them every year and kind of track their progress. There's just a number of people. Neighbors are another one. Obviously, extended family members and uh, former friends and so on. All these people kind of can play a role in keeping an eye on somebody and tracking the process of aging and to see if the emotional state of depression is pronounced or profound where suicide might even be, you know, a consideration. So we all need to be alert. We all need to be responsible for each other. We all need to be uh, aware of each other's uh, patterns and trends in aging and keep a track of how things are going so that suicide can be prevented, but also, more importantly, that life can be stimulated and reorganized and aroused and become more pleasant and more positive and more successful and achieving and happy you know, for the elderly person. Elderly people have a lot to contribute to our society. They have a lot to contribute to a church. They have a lot to contribute to an organization as they become involved with the organizations. They have the wisdom. They have the experience. They have the perspective. You know, they have, they have ideas that can be shared. We need to involve them because that's one of the best ways we can prevent depression and obviously prevent suicide is to get the elderly person involved in something so that there's meaning and there's activity and that there's social involvement and relationships, you know, that are present and that prevail. You know, the triggers of suicide for the among the elderly, you know, are, are usually kind of pretty well understood. Uh, but here's a kind of a list of what the major ones are. Obviously, it's poor health. It's declining health, if you will. Rapidly declining health. That's a big one. Financial distress is another big one. When they go through financial losses and money starts to run out, and everybody fears, obviously, that money's going to run out before they run out. So uh, financial uh, losses and duress is a great trigger for suicide. The loss of a spouse or a close companion, the loss of their children, uh, become major contributing factors to depression. Elderly people believe that they should die before their children. But when their children die first, that's a real loss. That's a major loss and leaves them lonely and without a support system. The loss of a spouse leaves them without a, without a support system. So there is a huge impact there by just those kind of losses in the life of an elderly person. Disenchantment with retirement. That's another one. You know, people retire, sometimes they retire quite early. And then they're disenchanted, their life was not what they thought it was going to be. Retirement was not what, it, what they thought it was going to be. Life did not change like they thought it would. Life did not become happy like they thought it would. Maybe it was fine for the first year or two, but then it just sets into the mundane. And uh, the in disenchantment with retirement becomes a major, major contributing factor to the decision to suicide. And, of course, the loss, the loss of social status is another big one. You know, as you become older, people don't want you in their committees anymore. They don't want you in their uh, task forces anymore. They don't want to put you in positions of leadership anymore. They don't consult you anymore. They kind of go around you. There's some kind of an enchantment with the young, and there's a disenchantment with the elderly. And you feel on the shelf. You feel unimportant. You feel ignored. You feel uh, bypassed. 
and you feel depreciated. And all those contribute to more of the uh, depression. And uh, churches often will have some kind of an elderly program and hire uh, pastors for the aged or the elderly and for the older folks in their congregation. And that's really a positive move so that there is somebody keeping track of these people, but also somebody stimulating their life and bringing richness to their life and bringing meaning to their life. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of churches don't want to do that because they don't want to spend the money and they don't see the value of that money spent. And that's sad. That's narrow thinking. And uh, that's short-sightedness. But uh, here's a population of people who have contributed all their life to the community, all their life to the church, all their life to their businesses and to their neighbors and to their friends and their extended family members. And then all of a sudden become ignored and they become unimportant and detached and lonely and depression sets in and then suicide is kind of a likely possibility so um, we have to be very careful in our dealings with people who are in our sphere of influence in our sphere of life in our sphere of social engagement as they get older reach out to them include them in your life and encourage them and be part of their life Encourage them to go to a gym and exercise and be part of that social context that you see in a gym situation. Have them go to lectures and to uh, social events that would be age-appropriate and interest-appropriate. Invite them to go with you to a concert, to a philharmonic. I mean, all these various kind of things can enrich the life of the older person, the elderly, and, of course, minimize the chance then of suicide you know, taking place. This has been the Psychology Report, and uh, it's been an important topic, and I trust that it stimulates you to some thinking, but also stimulates you to get involved and get engaged with people who are around you or in your family or in your neighborhood or in your church that are elderly and connect with them and bring richness into their life. I refer you to my uh, website, booksbyhedberg.com, and uh, I hope that this will be an opportunity for you to... um, Read something that would be helpful to you and read something that you can share, you know, with others as well. But um, this is a time now to recoup and rethink and reconnect with people in our life that are of aging years. Bye for now.